Friends, good morning and welcome to this act of worship on Sunday the 25th of September. I'm the Reverend Jackie Belfield. I'll call to worship. Let us worship God, who hears the cries of the poor, the meek and the humble, and satisfied them with good things. Friends, as we contemplate the goodness and the faithfulness of God, we sing our first hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Thank you. 
that was great is thy faithfulness. Friends, let us pray. For the comfort and security of our homes, praise be to God. For the ready availability of food and water, praise be to God. For clothing for our bodies and shoes for our feet, praise be to God. For the provision of schools and hospitals, praise be to God. For all these things we take for granted and much more, praise be to God. Lord our God, giver of all good gifts, we have so much and yet we don't recognise it. Forgive us our complacency. We live in our lives with relative security. Forgive us our complacency. At times we ignore true deprivation. Forgive us our complacency. At times we fail to heed to sufferings of our fellow human beings. Forgive us for ignoring those who are needy and give us a new perspective. We pray for all those caught up with this economic uncertainty. Even those within our own church communities who struggle this day. Forgive us our complacency for ignoring the needs of others. That we may see you in all. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. We have two readings. The first is the Gospel of Luke, the set readings for this Sunday. The Rich Man and Lazarus, Luke 16, verses 19 to 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Because... But Abraham replied, Son... Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from here to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. A reading from 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 19. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap 
and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may hold and take hold of the life that is truly life. Thanks be to God. Amen. And so we heard in that reading uh, the phrase, fight the good fight. So let's sing that hymn, fight the good fight. changes not and you are 
Last week, while at a church event, we heard stories being told. We sat very comfortably and a man and a woman told separate stories. A good story captivates the listener. It has descriptive elements. There's pauses, there's change of tone and inflection, and a good story will captivate us. We're hooked to the words of the storyteller. Do you remember Jack and Ori? In that comfortable seat where stories um, are unfolded before us. I, I wish we could have a Bible, Jack and Ori. Wouldn't that be great of people telling their favourite Bible stories in a way that captivates a listener and helps us to contemplate the Word of God for ourselves? MRI scans have proved that different parts of the brain are engaged when someone is engaging with us in a compelling manner. A professor of psychology, Yuri Hassan, he's a professor of psychology and also neuroscience, discovered that the brainwaves pattern of the listener actually start to mirror those of the storyteller. We respond. Jesus knew the power of a good story. And here in Luke's gospel, we hear so many stories that Jesus tells to communicate gospel truths. Luke, the gospel of Luke, contains more parables of Jesus than any other gospel, mainly because Luke focuses on the non-Jewish listener, Gentiles, those outcasts from society. He focuses his gospel uh, on teaching them. So maybe parables are the best way of doing that. Luke has 24 parables. Uh, uh, Matthew is just behind 23, so it's only a slight difference. But Luke has also more unique parables of Jesus found in his gospel, 18 of them. Interestingly, Jesus not only told stories to reveal truth, but he also told stories to conceal truth. People had to work out what Jesus was saying. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus' disciples asked for an explanation of a certain parable. This was his response. He said, Jesus, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Our hearts need to be open to the prompting of God by the power of the Spirit that we may understand his word today for us. What is God saying to us, to me, as I hear him speak? In Luke 8, Jesus um, tells stories to prevent people from understanding. For every person uh, leaning in to listen to Jesus with a desire to follow him, there were others who came with their own agendas. We know that. We know that Pharisees who were keeping a watchful eye on Jesus were doing so to try and catch him out in doing something he might say so they could use it against him. They were jealous of the attention that Jesus was getting and wanted to charge him with heresy. So they were listening. Of course they were listening. They were listening intently to criticise, to pull up, I wonder, friends, when we hear the word of God, are we listening with an openness of mind and of spirit? Imagine a young Pharisee being sent to spy on Jesus. He's there with his pencils, his, his notebook. Well, not quite. And he returns to his superiors. Good, they say to him, you're back. What did you say? 
Well, he said in this parable, there was a runaway son who wasted a lot of money, but eventually came home to the father. Mm -hmm, okay. Well, what else did you hear? Well, he told a story about a vineyard owner whose tenants wouldn't pay their rent and a man who woke up his neighbour in the middle of the night. All right, but what did he teach? He talked about a farmer whose seed was being eaten by birds and choked by weeds. Well, you can imagine them saying, this is useless. We wanted you to record what he taught. Did I mention, says the young Pharisee, he told about a woman who lost one of her ten coins and spent the rest of the day cleaning her house when she found it through a party. Well, you can imagine them saying, never mind. You see, when Jesus spoke life-changing truths, he spoke to people who wanted to hear the truth. But those who wanted to catch him out with theological technicality would walk away scratching their heads. And truth, truth is kind of like that. You see, truth, if we're open, finds its way into our hearts. And it opens our hearts. At best, this immediate context of this parable, Luke 16, begins on the way to dinner at the house of the leader of the Pharisees. It, it starts in chapter 14. The conversation continues, uh, crowds gather, and by chapter 15, verse 1, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. Uh, chapter 15, as we've heard, holds the parables that build up each other, uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the brother. Uh, and Luke 16 begins in a discreet unit. There was a rich man. Uh, this theme doesn't appear out of the blue. Um, the warning that Luke has posed with Jesus' words, is that wealth must be handled wisely. It's a recurring theme in this travel narrative. At dinner, when all these people are gathered around Jesus, Jesus denounces the greed of the Pharisees. The rich fool forfeited his soul. We can almost picture it, can't we? Uh, Lazarus, not the same Lazarus we believe who was raised from the dead. But Lazarus sat at the gate and this rich man would walk over him, maybe even standing on him, ignoring his plight, denying his need. The rich man was so focused on his own wealth and those around him that he ignored the needs of others. So here Jesus denounces the Pharisees, but also the rich man. The prudent steward is praised. Our warnings are given throughout the whole of Luke's Gospel regarding how to prepare for the final accounting when we come before God. No one can be Jesus' disciples who do not give up all they have to God. It makes me feel quite uncomfortable. How does it make you feel? And in spite and despite the insertion of sayings about law, kingdom and divorce, it's likely that they are will here. Uh, this parable about money. You cannot serve God and wealth rings in their ear. Friends, have you ever compared yourself to somebody? Uh, this may be uh, a wild assumption, but our comparisons in life are often with those who are maybe better off, more attractive, better car, better house. I wonder if we were going to compare ourselves to those who are less fortunate than us, how our view would change. And I say that with a mirror to myself. 
To whom do we compare? The rich man in this parable has no name. In part, it's quite irrelevant. Although he's been given various names in later history, such as Dives, which means rich in Latin. By contrast, Lazarus is the only name given to anyone in Jesus' parables. It means El Azar, God has helped. And again, there's no connection, it seems, between Lazarus here and the Lazarus, um, the brother of, of Mary and Martha. The story centres on the reversal of fortunes that takes place after Lazarus and the rich man die. It links agony or comfort after death and of how we treat the less fortunate around us. And much like Matthew links eternal life and punishment with how we treat the hungry and thirsty, the strangers, Matthew 25. Friends, let's take a warning from this reading. Let's hear the truth of God. We live in a time of such economic uncertainty. We need to help those around us. We need to do all we can. You have conversations in our churches about when to put the heating on because of always on the 31st of October. If we're going to offer a warm space, the church needs to be warm to do that. And welcoming. To show hospitality to all. Because if we don't, we're just like this rich man. We're walking over or around those in need for our own comfort. What is God calling us to do? and to be through his word today. For those who have the truth within them will be open to the truth that Jesus speaks through this parable. May we be open to the prompting of God by his spirit this day, open to truth, open to life, and open to the fullness of life that God offers to us. Thank you, Jesus, for the story, but more so thank you for your Holy Spirit, for working in us to interpret the words of truth for us today, that we too may make a difference in this world. In your name. Amen. Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, we pray for all those who struggle this very day. Those with illness, those who grieve, those who worry, for those whose home is outdoors, a tent or a doorway, for those who struggle to grow food and walk miles for water. For those who wear cast-off clothing and go barefoot in the cold. For those whose schools and hospitals struggle to survive. For those who take nothing for granted because they have nothing. God of all grace. We pray that we would look to others to support and care. May we offer a hand of friendship. May we offer 
resources. May we offer hope. Gracious God, you walk with us. You are our hope giver and provider. May we extend your grace and love to all we meet. May we never walk over or walk around those in need, but respond by your grace, with your mercy and in love. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. We say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our final hymn, When I Survey.
Friends, thank you for joining us in worship today. Quite a challenge today as we focused on all that we have and how we compare ourselves to others. May we look towards Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. A final prayer and blessing. Gracious God, empower us by your spirit to serve you in word and in deed. For we offer you ourselves in the name of the risen Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. The blessing of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit remain with us this day and always. Amen. <laughs>